Welcome to The Voice of Retail for the week of April 7th, 2019. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, and this podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada and sponsored by Stream Commerce, North America's fastest-growing Shopify Plus agency. Learn more at streamcommerce.com. In this episode, an exclusive interview with Danielle Brown, freshly minted CMO for award-winning Canadian DTC retailer Next. Next, we meet up with Jesse Michaels from Stokart, talk about their innovative solution for managing loyalty programs in the palm of consumers' hands that delivers measurable benefits for retailers in Canada. Then Kaylee Belanger from Retail Council of Canada and I sit down for a chat together and she brings us up to speed on Canadian Independent Bookstore Day happening right around the corner April 27th. Last but not least, I'll cover off the top retail news of the week, including Macy's rollout of their version of the story, Walmart's latest environmental initiative, plus their mic drop, as the kids would say, on Amazon. Mac opens up a new flagship store in Toronto. Another retail cannabis store graces the Toronto market and the rise of electronic shelf labels. But first, let's listen now to my interview with Danielle from NYX. Danielle, welcome to The Voice of Retail. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's... Um, it's exciting time for Nix, and I think the timing couldn't be better. You're you're a new addition to Nix, so I wanted to hear you know you, you arrive with both uh, fresh eyes and and a, a great background. But let's talk about you for a little bit first. Tell us about yourself, sure. um, your background, and then how you came uh, to be at Nix and, and what your role is. Well, uh, yeah, it is an exciting time. I uh, am sitting in this office uh, with my founder, just having gone uh, on mat leave, uh, our founder, CEO, Joanna. So it's um, five months into the role. It's definitely going to be trial by fire. Uh, and I'm excited for the challenge. I mean, Joanna and I actually have known each other for a very long time. Um, we worked together in uh, the music industry a lifetime ago. Uh, she was a publicist at Universal Music, and I was a label manager for Interscope Records. Uh, we met there and then just reconnected over the last few years. And um, we've been talking about her journey. I was a fan of Nix and actually a customer. And then just the more we talked, the more we started thinking that we should probably work together and really started talking about it two years ago, um, really in serious. I had um, accepted another opportunity at the time, so the timing didn't work, but it's just made for this really interesting onboarding process where I saw the company through her eyes as a friend and a bit of an advisor. Um, and then so when I started in November, I really knew what I was getting into, which was a wonderful way to start a job like this. Um, I understood the role. I, I was really clear on um, what we needed me to accomplish. Uh, so it's been a really uh, accelerated onboarding process, I'd say. It certainly doesn't feel like I'm five months in. And you've been um, in your past lives, you mentioned the record industry, and then you've been into what we call, I guess, B2B marketing. I think your last uh, your last stop was at uh, Hubba mm -hmm. and now and now you're into the the consumer brands and if you know this stuff writes itself you two are going to make great music together once again <laughs> right <laughs> wonderful I love that yeah wonderful there you go um let's let's talk a little bit about Nix as a brand and so let's um first of all tell us about Nix itself so the listeners who may or may not be as familiar and then unpack the brand for us a little bit and, and how you frame 
uh, its position in both in the market to your customers and then and then the unique way you go to market? Yeah, sure. I mean, Nix is a women's intimates company. Um, so we make the world's best, most comfortable, wire-free bras, underwear, and leak-proof underwear. So that would be period-proof underwear, uh, underwear for incontinence. Um, and we really uh, focus, our whole mission is on inspiring women to live unapologetically free. We live and breathe that we are a mission-led company, and I think you can see that in everything that we do. Um, We really are purposeful in the way that we talk to our customers, in the way that we create our products. Um, We live uh, inclusivity, and we want to create experiences where everyone feels welcome. Community is so important to us. We want to hold this safe and vulnerable space where women can grow and connect. Um, We're also a mirror into the world. So we want to spark these timely conversations that inspire women to be free. And we really want to create imaginative products. So comfortable, versatile, technical intimates, intimates um, that are going to where our name comes from, nix the bad and make the good even Mm. better. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was the, uh, the origin of the name. That's that's interesting. So, you know, it's, Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, no, go ahead, Michael. Sorry. Oh well, I was I was going to say, you know, it's not a it's it's certainly a brave foray into what is in one way a pretty crowded category, but yet in another way, you've managed to carve out uh, a specific niche, and you really seem to have, um, you know, either been thinking ahead of the trend or grabbed the zeitgeist of what the trend is around around inner fashion. Uh, in terms of, of your approach, I think um, it's it's really well timed and and seems to be well ahead of its uh, ahead of its time in some way just now industry's catching up with you in some ways yeah you know it's it's interesting i i, I know with the whole victoria's secret thing and the backlash on what they represent um it, it's it's uh it's been interesting to us to watch because we have used customers in our photo shoots since our inception since 2013 we've been size inclusive since the beginning um we've carried a size zero to 22. We've never changed our pricing depending on size. So it's been interesting to see the, see the industry catch up um, and to, and, and to see the industry um, really start to turn and embrace women um, and embrace women for who we are and for what we need in order to be able to live free. It's a really big part of the brand that uh, the inclusivity and, and the, you know the brand position is is really wonderful, and it's very well articulated. I find in the in the in the visuals and in the messaging. Let's talk a little bit about uh, in, from a trade perspective. You at one point Nix was available in through other retailers, but now I think you're almost exclusively direct and consumer. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's uh, that's right. So uh, at one point we were in 800 retail doors across North America. We actually started as a wholesale business. Um, and a little over two years ago, we made that transition to be 100% online. Um, 
So it's been about 27, 28 months, I think. And in that time, we have grown 2000% um, since wow. we made that change to be entirely direct to consumer. Um, and, and we did it for a few reasons. Like, I think the growth and the success has been wonderful and gratifying. Um, but through wholesale, we were always challenged because we were always dealing with a middle person, right? There were antiquated systems. We had people, we were sending faxes back and forth to send orders through in many cases, right? That's the way things still work in a lot of cases. We didn't really have anyone who, who wanted to carry our full science range, and that was important to us. Um, and, and so the change has really been that we're now closer to our customers. When we develop our products, we can talk directly to our customers about what they want to see. Um, and we can react and give people different things that they want to see. So we now do monthly color drops instead of doing two drops a year because mm. the supply chain was difficult to manage. We really feel like we can give our customers what they want and we can be in this really integrated community with our customers and serve them better. So let me just hang on that for a sec. So you're now a 12 drop business versus a seasonal business. Is that mm-hmm. a fair characterization? Absolutely. Mm, interesting. And and you're based here uh, in Toronto, but you're not your Canadian business outwards, right? So you're both uh, in Canada, but I think you have inter- do you have international business, U.S. business, and international business? Yeah, it's um, it's we do have some international. We're going to look to expand internationally, um, do another major market launch, hopefully by the end of uh, this year. We'll we'll test it anyway. Um, but most of our sales actually do come out of the U.S. It's a huge market. Um, part of our growth is going to be growing that market. Um, so we're obviously way more penetrated in Canada, but most of our sales do come from the U.S. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the tradecraft behind how you take what is now a, a DTC, a direct-to-consumer brand. Uh, you don't have the partnerships to to launch you in places like the U.S. or across Canada. So how do you how do you approach marketing, customer acquisition, and retention? You know, what, what's the tradecraft behind that for a brand such as yours? Sure. I think uh, in the way that we've grown, we've really focused on acquisition. This year is the first year that we're going to also start focusing on retention. And as part of that retention, also look at how we use our advocates and our ambassadors to then take our message and then start mm. farming it out again. Um, so creating this viral loop really that starts with our customers. That's one thing. Um, another thing that we're looking at doing, even though we are uh, entirely direct to consumer right now is starting to, um, really cautiously look at, um, pop-ups in the U S market. So, uh, I think part of the reason that we have such high brand recognition in Toronto and across Canada, uh, Toronto especially is that we're here. Um, and we now have a showroom. People can come in, try on our products in our space, um, and we're going to try to replicate that in a few key markets in the U.S. Uh, it's going to be easier to connect with people and to have people feel us, even though we're not of their community. We want to be able to understand what different markets feel like and understand what's important to people in those markets. Um, and like a lot of other DTC brands, we are going to try to do that with a little bit of a footprint that's physical. Well, it's, it's interesting, and I, I can't say I... Um 
I timed it this way, but I, my last interview, my last episode was with uh, Indochino, mm-hmm. which of course is a, a direct to consumer, but is now 40 plus, maybe 50 showrooms across uh, North America and yeah. international sales. So, you know, were you really touching on, um, you know, digital first to direct to consumer uh, organizations that I found when talking to many of them, that um, it helps in the cost of customer acquisition as well as just establishing a, a, a foothold or a toehold in new markets because you have a phys- it's hard to beat a physical presence notwithstanding all the wonderful things you can do online is that is that your thinking as well absolutely you know there's a different way that people can experience a product a brand when they get to um, touch and feel and interact and what we know from the trend in um, people doing physical really well is they're treating physical as an experience and as a way to physically experience a brand that may be um, mostly digital. Um, I think one of the things that we're going to be doing in each of those markets too is as we do involve our consumers in, in all of our, um, in all of our shoots, in all of our uh, product shoots, we're going to be doing the same thing in those markets. So, um, Mm. looking at using that as a foundational part of our influencer strategy in those markets as well. Uh, so it's more of a holistic approach. Um, as you know, I mean, we could go and do some at a home in a market. There's no connection, right? So how do we look at a, look at marketing from an omni-channel perspective? I think not the only way to do that, but a great way to do that is to relate to people and talk to them where they are. Well, you're joining us at uh, Retail Council of Canada at the Retail Marketing Conference on uh, April 18th. And uh, you, uh, the brand, is the award recipient of the 2019 Retail Marketing Innovation Achievement Award. So congratulations to the whole team at, Thank at you. NYX for that. We're really honored. Thank you so much. It, uh, uh, we were really thrilled to receive that award. And it really, really means a lot to be, um, to be recognized for some of our work. So we really appreciate it. So the fun thing about winning achievement awards uh, is the next question around, as you sit around the table, okay, geez, how do we, how do we top that? <laughs> so <laughs> so um, let's talk about that for a little bit. Uh, you know, you're, you're freshly minted uh, five months into the gig. So really it's now yours to, to look forward. You've, you've touched on some of the things that you're working on, but give us a, give us a sense of the, of the marketing roadmap. Um, in your mind for the next uh, 12 to 18 months and, and, and how you think you've already talked about activating existing customers. So, you know, moving to that point where you've got a, a base to activate. What other things are in your uh, your marketing roadmap for the next uh, 12 to 18 months? Yeah, I am uh, really excited about all the fun things we have to work with. We um, we have a lot of new things to work with, actually. We will be uh, launching Swim in the near future, which is mm. so exciting for us. Uh, and the way that we are going to do that is mostly through an influencer-based strategy, which is going to be new for us. Um, we do use influencers, but um, we are going to experiment with um, really primarily using influencers to sell that for us. Um, and it's something that we know, again, because we've talked to our customers and we do so often that they are looking for from us swim. Um, we're also going to be diving into maternity uh, and uh, we will be creating a nursing bra. Our customers, again, they 
use some of our products as nursing friendly products. They are great as they are, but we've listened right. to the improvements that people have wanted to make. And um, we are going to be launching a nursing bra th- towards the back half of the year. So there's all these exciting new um, products that we're developing and uh, we're really, really excited to be able to bring them to people. I mean, what I like about as I listen to your product road, not just the marketing pieces, is staying true to the core element, right? That wire-free is a natural transition or a natural addition or line addition to maternity, right? They're, they're, they're very, um, very likable connection. And, you know, at the Retail Marketing Conference, I'm going to be um, hosting a panel on retail influencers. And since you brought them up, mm-hmm. um, the panel, I'm going to actually have a couple of influencers on the panel because I wanted to talk to the people and talk about their tradecraft. And I wanted them to give some advice to the folks in the room there about how to work with influencers. So I'm going to ask you the same question from the retail brand perspective. What is it that you look for and how do you um, you know, how do you optimize a relationship with an influencer? It's a bit, sometimes feels like, how do you find the right ones and, and the ones with credibility? Uh, tell us uh, just for a minute or two, tell us about how you approach finding the right people and then, and then working with them. Uh, what's interesting for us is because we are very, very clear about our brand position and our mission is very clear. A lot of times we have influencers find us. Um, and who are, and it's people who, um, are body positive, uh, who like what we're doing and they see a great fit. Um, one of our main influencers, um, her, uh, her, um, she's called the birds papaya on Instagram and she's grown with us. Uh, she has grown to now, I think she's over 200,000 followers now and, um, she's a wonderful collaborator. And I would say that the map that we made, uh, with Sarah is how we like to, uh, to approach all of our influencer relationships. This is a partnership. Um, for us, it's really important that we're authentic about who we pick, um, that it's not an advertising type of relationship. I do know that some brands approach it that way. Uh, but for us, it's not about one post and forget it. It really is. Um, do the people, do the women who we're choosing to work with represent who we are and would our customer base see them as an authentic partner for us? Very insightful. I love that word collaboration. So, um, you know, I'll have to incorporate that into my question. So thank you. For, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for giving me that. Um, well, listen, it's been wonderful chatting with you. Uh, congratulations again to, to Joanna, yourself and the brand for, for the award again. Um, and we're looking forward to, uh, to meeting everyone in person uh, at the retail marketing event. Now, um, how can we get, uh, if someone wants to get in touch with your brand and and maybe uh, explore the products itself, how can they find uh, Nick's? Oh, I love that question. Thanks, Michael. Um, <laughs> Nick's.ca uh, or Nick's.com, depending on where you are. And um, if you want to see us on Instagram, we're at Nick'sWare. Oh, perfect. Well, listen, thanks again for taking the time to chat with The Voice of Retail and uh, look forward to connecting uh, with you real soon. Truly enjoyed it. Thanks, Michael. We'll be right back. Sonny Brewer here, Vice President of Member Relations and Education for the Retail Council of Canada to tell you about our HR Forum, which is coming up on April 17th, 2019 at the Toronto Congress Centre. Now, do you want to learn about diversity? about inclusion, and the importance of keeping your employees engaged, well, this forum is for you. So please make sure you join us and contact me for more details. Thank you.
Jesse, welcome to The Voice of Retail. Thanks for having me. So tell me a bit about yourself before we get into talking about uh, your product. Tell me a bit. You're not new to the retail industry by any stretch of the imagination, but I think you're new to Stokard, right? Yeah, it's uh, been about seven months. Fairly new. Uh, yeah. But in terms of yeah, retail landscape, um, prior to my experience there, I was with the digital flyer company Flip. Mm-hmm. I was there for four years and, and helped grow that business from you know, 50, 60 people to, to over 500 people. Great Canadian success story. A, a fantastic story yeah. uh, based in Toronto, as we all know. Um, and prior to that, uh, I was in CPG. So working with ConAgra Brands. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, I was in, did some email marketing, but it was, you know, some of our clients were, were Sobeys and, and AT&T, so still fairly close to the retail yep. space. Yeah. Uh, so extensive work in, in retail and seen, definitely seen the shift in the last you know, five, six years from, from traditional to digital. So tell me about Stokard. Now, they're not a Canadian company. They're not a new company. Tell me a bit about them. Sure. They're they're based in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was three founders. Uh, they all went to school together. Um, typical typical story that you yeah. kind of hear yeah. three guys in their basement. But, uh, you know, they met in school, started this company, and from there uh, created, you know, saw this issue that was happening with with wallets and everything else from you know plastic to digital mm. and, and came up with the concept actually back in 2012 uh that's when they launched the company we actually launched the app in canada in 2014 really so it's been mm. around mm. you know five years uh but again we we just recently launched the canadian office and actually north american operations are out of toronto with myself huh. uh, and the team so yeah we we've been here about seven months um but again not a new concept uh, but yeah, based in Germany and, and recently launched here. Well, let's talk about the concept. Explain it sure. first. Let's talk about it first from a consumer's perspective. Sure. Consumers, you know, who know Canadian consumers are loyalty program crazy. There's more loyalty <laughs> programs out than there are Canadian citizens, mm-hmm. you know, if you added up the number of cards slash program participants. So we know you're in the right place, mm-hmm. but what uh, what do you bring to consumers? First of all, then we'll talk about the retail industry, but what do you bring to consumers that's different that uh, that they should pay attention to? Yeah, for sure. That's a great question. I think to touch on your first point, it was actually amazing when, when I, I first downloaded the app uh, a few years ago to actually go in and see how many cards are available. I don't think people actually realize yeah. how many loyalty programs are available. Yeah. I know there's a lot, but when you go in and see smaller retailers that have this as well, and then you can add your own cards as well from... Mm from specific stores that you shop at but no it's an interesting point and then for, yeah like you mentioned from a consumer standpoint uh it really is about utility it, it really is about decluttering the wallet getting rid of those plastic cards uploading mm-hmm. all of them to a handy wallet that you carry with you uh you can see uh, local stores um everything that's close to you so it is geofenced and, and prox proximate there's proximity sorry to yeah. uh, each user uh, all all opt-in, right? Because yeah. I signed it up and it asked you, do you, oh, is it cool? All opt-in. All opt-in. Yep. Right. And and then you can see relevant offers that's that's better related to your cards uh, based on the cards that you're holding in right. your wallet, uh, which is um, you know not unlike anywhere you can go see flyers or things like that, but uh, we can get into the benefits for retailers mm-hmm. uh, after this. But from a consumer standpoint, it really is about utility and seeing the trend from switch from you know physical to, to digital or traditional to digital. I liked when, uh, you're right about, I was surprised when I opened up the app, and I'm an iOS user, so I assume it's multi-platform, whether, you know, downloaded on iOS or whatever platforms. Yeah. 
But I scrolled down, and it just kept going in terms of the preloaded programs that you could click on. Mm -hmm. And then I liked the fact that you could click on it and then brought the camera up, and you take a quick picture of the physical card or type in your number because I kind of do both. Yeah. Tell me, again, I'm an iOS user, so I, I put a lot of my loyalty cards into the into the iWallet or the wallet on the phone. Right. What's, what's the difference? I guess mechanically they're both on the phone, but what's the difference? Why would I have them either in either or or in both? Uh, a lot of cases you need... Uh, an actual part from a from a B2B standpoint, you actually need a partnership with Apple directly to have mm. the card listed. So we actually don't restrict any retailer or any card with a barcode to be uploaded into Stokart. So that's one major difference. We actually do have a partnership with Apple too that's sort of hush-hush, but mm. in, in Europe that actually prevents us from doing certain things like having boarding passes or mm. you know other utilities that sure. are found or tickets, things like that, that we actually have in the Android version mm. because we don't have you know any participation with Google Pay. Uh, so that's that's really interesting from that standpoint, as well as the offer side. That's really where the differential comes in. Mm. Uh, to Apple Wallet is having relevant offers, uh, you know, geolocated to you, uh, and relevant based on your wallet and what cards are in that wallet. Okay, so um, let's pivot now into our audience, which is retailers. So retailers either are participating in coalition programs, an aeroplan or an air miles, or they have their own programs. So what um, what do you do for retailers, and what, what do you want to talk to retailers about uh, your programs? Yeah, there's there's two, you know, if we break it down really simply, there's mm. two things uh, that retailers can take advantage of. Uh, and it's actually quite unique to, can, to Canada. Uh, and one of the reasons that I jumped at the opportunity, uh, the main reason, uh, was the fact that we could actually close loop on transactions, mm. which is really interesting. And, and the basic mechanics of it is... You know, in traditional or even digital formats, uh, we don't have to name names, but any kind of company out there that does digital advertising can really get you to the entry to the store from a tracking and measurement standpoint. Sure. What we're able to do is from once a user, yourself, myself, whoever, actually sees or engages with the content, they go into store. So we track them to store, much like others. Uh, but we can actually see when people have actually made a purchase because they're scanning their card at POS. Mm right within the app. So we're actually able to close the loop on purchases. We're launching in Europe actually uh, I believe it was I believe it's in two weeks, uh, you know, from a personalization standpoint, we're launching one to one personalization. Mm. So with that capability, uh, we're actually then able to tell retailers and speak to them and say, consumers have actually seen this ad, it's personalized to them. Um, they actually go in store they purchase and this is what they've purchased so right now we can tell at an aggregate that they've actually made a purchase of some kind and then we'll have that capability to actually say what they've purchased not unlike extension of their own programs you think of pc ops and loblaw and loblaws with the the article that came out they're launching yeah different programs yeah uh to prove what people are buying i mean it's the, it's the holy grail right how do it, i it, it's it's it literally is accountability or or right. you know, how do i make my advertising accountable how do i alloc it's the allocation riddle right you know what drove what and and did this drive actual basket Sales. transaction right right and there's still at at this very moment until we launch one-to-one uh, there's still an assumption on basket size, um, but there is, without a shadow of a doubt, 100% confirmation on purchases being mm. made, which no one else can do uh, in Canada. In the U.S., they need third parties to do it. So there's third-party verification, and you mm. get around data and privacy and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. that's the other thing. We mm. aren't doing any sort of uh, – we don't need any sort of data or privacy protection um, because we're not into POS right now. So. Right. So this, you know, what's interesting is um, 
you know, when you load your cards in, then it basically is agnostic, you know, when I'm thinking about even just the coalition programs, because it could be scanned by anyone with a, UP, a UPC scanner, right? And I right. guess that's the case for all the program, loyalty programs in there. So um, what is it that you would, if I'm a retailer, what do I want to do? I want to make offers uh, through your product? Because you, you're going to take care of the installed base. You're going to have a bunch of people, much number of Canadians, yep. who have decided to go into your app and they've got someone's loyalty program, many right. of them out there. Right. Uh, you would talk to them and say, listen, here's what you can, here's how we can do business together. What, what would, give me some examples of that. Yeah, perfect. So, you know, for instance, I'm talking to Retailer X. We go in and say, listen, Stokart in Canada, uh, 2.5 million users total. 1.7 million monthly actives, which is someone coming back wow. at least once a month, which is a strong user yeah, base, yeah. especially for a shopping app. It's used eight times a month, so really strong uh, metrics from you know twice a week coming back to a shopping sure. app is pretty sure. strong. Uh, but basically, the partnership's pretty simple to get started. They would they would either provide it, they can provide us a flyer or a product carousel of offers uh, that we could actually pull. They just provide links to us. Mm. Uh, and my team actually takes care of all the creative overhead, which is you know fantastic <laughs> and, and unlike... Right. Uh, a lot of other digital platforms out there where it's creative overhead. Uh, we actually take the links and build the product carousel for them, and that's it. We sign an I.O., and away we go. Uh, and that's number one. Number mm. two, and I was going to mention this previously, uh, is we actually support with signups and acquisition. Mm. So if there was kind of two ways to boil it down, it would be you know activation of current you know users in the app to push them in store and track purchases and two would be acquisition so we actually have a widget built into the home page of the app within your wallet and we can target that widget mm. at individual individuals uh, that use the app to acquire them and have them sign up directly within the app so oh, there's no bounce out to their website or anything like mm. that they actually fill in the pre uh, predetermined en- entry form or, or you know, can validate with the retailer sure. direct whatever they need uh, to fill that in. I love that idea. I'm seeing a lot of that. Um, I was at a session at, at Shop Talk in Las Vegas, and and you know, I always go see the VCs, what they're the venture capitalists, what are they funding, and and these mm. super apps that you're starting to see now in China, where instead of discrete, different. Uh, apps that you go to that then bounce you out to a different place it's all clustered together and yeah. the all the activity is kind of native as we would say like it happens right in the app so i think yeah. you're really onto something there i love that idea yeah it's and it's interesting because you know back to data and privacy we want to make sure that we're protecting data that's you know there's no pii or any of that sort of stuff so so one thing to say on signups is because in a lot of cases users have accounts we're actually providing that information mm. and pre-populating the information in that uh, in that form uh, and actually then piping right into a CRM through an API. Mm. And so once they click submit, yeah. uh, we get ghost numbers or unused numbers or pre-used numbers from the retailers uh, and actually give them a card automatically that's loaded into their wallet. Mm. Uh, and they get all the, the retailer gets all the information of that customer and can start speaking to them you know, via email. They can send them a physical card if we give them the address, mm. et cetera. So there's a lot of benefits outside of you know, the closed transaction pieces mm. is awesome. Um, but really, uh, the sign-up and acquisition is really, really unique, too. All right, Jesse, tell me a little bit about your retail partners, European base. So give us a sense of who uh, you already work with around the world. Yeah, that's that's a good question. So we're, we're actually based in seven countries. Uh, Canada is our seventh country. Mm-hmm. Uh, 35 million global users, so so quite substantial. And you said uh, 2.5 million in Canada, correct. right? 1.7 million active, if I remember. Active. Yeah, yep, okay. that's, yep, exactly. And. Uh, from that from that user base, we've actually got some some quite extensive partnerships. Mm. You know, in Australia and Italy, 
uh, you know, in other places as well with, with Ikea and Decathlon and Woolworths and Carrefour, some of the top retail mm. partners. Uh, and one thing to add on that too is they really look at Stokart as kind of an extension of their own program. So they have, they have their own apps and they have their own website, obviously, right. and, and their own channels. But they see it as an opportunity, and we have some great case studies uh, that I can share at the show next week, uh, you know, how they actually use use the app uh, to actually speak to their their shopper, in a sense, uh, and using, you know, Stoke cards, user base, mm. and those loyalty cards to actually speak to them. So that their own program can peacefully coexist with your program. It's not an either-or right. choice, right? right? So you've got big retailers that you work with in Europe already, so clearly the organization's got track record of dealing with size, scope, and all kinds of different uh, different size and formats of retail, right? You Decathlon and sports and, and um, all kinds of different formats. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and one thing that they, that they do too is they can actually you know, pass us numbers or pass us loyalty mm-hmm. numbers and actually use the loyalty numbers to segment user bases and, and specifically target uh, those numbers uh, to then glean the insights that we can give them, you know, like I said, from closed loop mm-hmm. transactions Interesting. Uh, at the bottom of the funnel. All right, so uh, I'm a retailer. You're going to be on the stage next week. That Correct. would be April 18th at the Retail Council of Canada's yep. uh, retail marketing event. So if retailers who are listening to this, they can meet you in person there. Absolutely. But if they happen to not be going, uh, for whatever strange reason they wouldn't go to yeah. uh, that event, that great event, tell us how, first of all, they can find your app so they can experience it themselves, and then how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so the app is available uh, iOS, Google Play, uh, both app stores. Uh, can see us online at stokardapp.com or uh, and that's s-t-o-c-a-r-d yeah okay. stokardapp.com or reach me at jesse at stokardapp j-e-s-s-e i should say that yeah. at stokardapp.com <laughs> right on, right on. all right well listen thanks so much for sitting down with us i think uh, you know i love the loyalty space and um you know there can't be enough great solutions for it it's so it's evolving pretty quick, and there's content about that, by the way, next week at the conference as well. There's a whole loyalty panel that will be chitting and chatting about that with uh, retailers from Canadian Tire and from Sobeys. Uh, so I think you're in the right place, and I and, uh, look forward to hearing what you have to say next week and, and touch and base then. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for sitting down. Well, welcome to The Voice of Retail, Kaylee. Thank you very much. So, um, you're new to The Voice of Retail, but not new to Retail Council Canada. Tell yes. us a little bit about yourself yes. and how long you've been here and what you do for Retail Council Canada. Definitely. Um, I'm from Uxbridge, Ontario. I have had many years uh, in the in- uh, retail industry. I've been working for Retail Council for almost two years. So I manage member services for independent retailers, hmm. non-retailers, and am now supporting the bookseller community. All right. And yep. that's what we're here to talk about today, the yes. bookseller community. So there's a big day coming up. What is it? Yes. April 20. 20- April 27th. Tell us all about it. Yeah, um, Canadian Independent Bookstore Day, which was formerly known as Authors for Indies. Uh, It's a day to celebrate the amazing bookstores and communities across Canada uh, that develop and maintain a thriving book industry across Canada. It's a day to go out to the community and enjoy the unique variety of art, culture, uh, business opportunities that bookstores provide. Such such an important part of Main Street and, and 
retail in Canada, right? The, the, it's, Absolutely. It, they're not just retailers. They're just really their culture, their part, yeah, of, the part sure. of the culture, right? Definitely. Uh, Author for Indies, which was uh, formerly known as the event, uh, it was a popular movement in support of independent bookstores. It's a day where authors take the time mm. to give back to bookstores who, su- who support authors every day of the year by volunteering as guest booksellers. So they meet and greet customers, recommend books, uh, family and friends come out and just support the local shops. Um, hundreds of authors across Canada have done this for the past four years. So that's fun. So yeah. different independent bookstores would have authors come in and do readings. Yeah. And kind of support the people exactly. who support them yeah. and, and work and together, right? It's really about what the, the, the storefront makes of it. Like they can do events and prizes and lots of games and just have a lot of people come out and support the day. Uh, RCC is supporting the event by promoting it through our Retail This Week Mm -hmm. e-newsletter, our social media, our website, and this podcast, of course. Mm. Uh, And also with the support of BookNet Canada, CIBD is being promoted through their e-news as well. Um, We have posters, bags, pens with CIBD print, uh, available. CIBD is Canadian. In Independent Bookstore Day right. 2019. That's right. available uh, to our members. So if you want to reach out and put it in order for these items, you can reach out to me. So it's not too late if you're an independent bookstore hearing our voice to put an order in and still yes, get Yes, absolutely. Right? For sure. Yep. Fantastic. By uh, end of next week. And the next week, so that would be April like nineteenth. I mean, because then it's a holiday. Holiday. Week. So before, before the preferably before the nineteenth, seventeenth, yeah, 18th yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, and I'll leave my uh, email at the end of this. Perfect. Well, meeting. Let's, what, yeah. What's your email now? Tell us now. Uh, K Belanger. So K B E L A N G E R at retailcouncil.org. Great. Now that we got that out of the way, uh, mm-hmm. let's talk about some of the indies that are participating. So who, who yeah. has jumped up? Because we have an online listing. Yep, yeah, right? yeah, we have an online listing of uh, participating bookstores. Um, it's, it's being updated daily. I definitely encourage bookstores to reach out to me with pictures of their storefronts so we mm-hmm. can have the most live material that our viewers can go and see and check out all the stores across Canada that are representing the day. So um, we've got Monroe Books in Victoria, B.C., Blue Heron Books in Uxbridge, Ontario, which is my hometown. So I have been there and, uh, yes, definitely brings back some memories. Uh, Forrester Book Garden in Bolton, Ontario, Lighthouse Books in Brighton, Ontario, Western Sky Books in Port Coquitlam, B.C. Or Coquitlam, yes. Yes. (laughs) I had to practice that before I said it. Uh, The Bookkeeper in Sarnia, Ontario. The Novel Spot Bookshop, Etobicoke, Ontario. Another bookstore in Toronto, Ontario. The Bookstore on Perrin Street, St. Albert, Alberta. Booklore in Orangeville, Ontario. And Bolan Books, Victoria, B.C. So this list is growing. It's just a matter of uh, your support and reaching out to me so that I know who's participating. I know there's definitely Definitely a lot more out there that are participating. I just would like your name to be recognized on the website and be able to reach out through our social media and get your name recognized and hopefully drive more people into your storefronts. Well, it's a couple of a couple of good things, right? Once one is for the independent retailer that we're there to support you and we give you a platform and, and do those absolutely. things. And then we're all book readers, I think. I yeah, mean, you know, book, absolutely. Books. In one way or another, I think we, we are, whether yeah. it's a magazine or yep. history or kids' books, which I have a three-year-old, so we're doing a lot oh, of books, which is exciting. I've already planned to uh, take him out on the 27th and go visit some bookstores. I was going to say. In well, Toronto, yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Excellent. 
Well, you know, it's um, it's a great day for us all to get together and support the indie bookstores yeah. from from coast to coast, uh, and it's such a vibrant part. Yeah. And and you know, it's been a kind of like a, a, a renaissance. You know, if I go back even before you started here at RCC, you know, five or more years ago, there's you know, there's a lot of talk about whether it was the big online booksellers. You know, that's yeah. a challenge Absolutely. that the indies faced. Yeah. And then it was e-readers, and you know, there's some prognostications that yeah. oh my God, no one's going to read a read a physical printed book. Yeah. I was never a big believer in that. I don't know yeah. about you. I like the touch and feel and, for sure. and core Definitely. usability of a book. Right. Definitely. There's nothing quite like it. Absolutely. You know, it's it's a challenging business to run for sure. Yeah. Um, Definitely, but I think it's 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 a yeah again, a, a rewarding. I love reading physical yeah. books. There's nothing same to here. It. Listen, thanks again, and remind us again where um, if you're a, a bookseller. Uh, or if you're a consumer who loves books, where can they go online to yeah, find your listing? Um, yeah, absolutely. So we definitely have uh, the Twitter account at RCC Books, which is uh, I'm actively tweeting updates every Great. day, representing booksellers that are contributing. So I, I recommend you uh, reach out to me with photos or any you know fun stuff that you guys yeah. are up to. I can promote that for you. Um, also check out retailcouncil.org uh, under CIDB, CIBD Community Hub. Uh, to see participating bookstores and anyone who wants to, you know, support the day, um, you know, decorate your storefront, uh, offer promotional items, create fun, upbeat atmosphere with games, prizes, balloons, and of course, books. Uh, it's a chance where everyone can get together and read and learn and learn more about Canadian literature. Well, fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for telling us all about it. Thanks yeah. for being on The Voice of Retail. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to April 27th. So get out there and support your local shops. Well, all right. Thanks again to Danielle, Jesse, and Kaylee for joining me for this episode. Well, let's jump right into the top news of the week, starting with Macy's launch of their version of Store in 36 stores, an area of their store that's going to rotate every two months. So this is... Um, the long-anticipated or predicted, but really not much of a prediction in as much as what else were they going to do. But when they bought Store from Rachel Sheckman, uh, you know, innovative concept of a retail store that kind of remakes itself like a magazine kind of media and just redesigns and features a theme every, uh, every couple of months. And that's exactly what Macy's is going to do. Uh, so Macy's is launching this uh, in the these new spaces are going to rotate in new items, very colorful. You can see a picture of this. This is from CNBC, this article. Uh, you can see most of these, if not all these stores, uh, taken from the companion piece, so to speak, to the Voice of Retail, uh, which is a Retail This Week, which is a uh, Retail Council of Canada e-news product, so to speak. It's an e-newsletter, largest single weekly e-newsletter in the country. You can subscribe free at retailcouncil.org. I put that together each and every week, 51 weeks of the year. Uh, so I'll be referencing some of the articles in this. Uh, so anyway, that's the lead article, what uh, Macy's is going to do uh, with the story concept. I saw Rachel Schreckman on stage at, uh, at Shop Talk back in Las Vegas. It was good to see she good to see her again. She was on the stage uh, here in Toronto at Store 2018. Uh, having just been purchased by uh, Macy's. I think she's their chief customer experience officer. Anyway, that leads off uh, one of the stories as well. Walmart Canada launches environmental initiatives. So this from a strategy magazine. Uh, they've launched uh, or signed on a project, Gigatron, a project aims to remove the equivalent emissions of 211 million passenger vehicles from the global supply chain. So interesting work uh, from Walmart in the supply chain. Nice pick there of uh, Lee Tappenden and, um, and Michael McCain from Maple Leaf Foods. 
Uh, Mac opens up a, their new flagship store in Toronto's Queen Street West, Mountain Equipment Co-op, Vancouver-based, uh, this one Retail Insider. Uh, they had a store on uh, on King Street, and they just moved a little bit, and uh, not just a physical move, it's a beautiful store, great pictures in uh, Retail Insider, so check that out. Uh, and of course, if you're in the Toronto area, do stop in. It's got all the great experiences and and features, um, climbing wall, virtual reality technology. So it's a real uh, competitive market for sure, but a, a nice step forward uh, for um, for Mech. Uh, Canada Goose targets world's fashion centers. This is from National Post. They're opening up six stores, Milan, Italy, Paris, and then a couple of more stores in the U.S. and a couple of more in Canada. So Canada Goose uh, continues uh, to expand. Um Back around the world, we see uh, DTC Razor brand Harry's strikes deal with Boots. So again, you see this cross-pollinization. Uh, you know, Dollar Shave Club got purchased uh, last year for a billion dollars. So that's part of a, a CPG company now, DTC Razor Harry's, which is a similar competitor now doing a partnership uh, in bricks and mortar. So that's a continuation of a trend we've talked about many times, the uh, digital first having either stores or physical stores or tying up. You see that with Casper. I mean, you see it at uh, Andy. You see this many examples of, of that. Uh, Whole Foods opened up its 500th store uh, in um, a 70,000 square feet, four-level store. Um, and uh, by the way, you could see uh, Whole Foods founder Walter Robb live on the stage store 2019 uh, here in Toronto. Uh, so visit uh, Retail Council org and get your tickets uh, right away for store 2020 your source <laughs> we can get those too but store 2019 is gonna be a blockbuster fantastic uh, fantastic event um speaking of you know just circling back to walmart and um, and interestingly some fun in the news uh, jeff bezos released his letter to shareholders um, it's always an interesting thing to read because it's one of the only times and uh, you know you kind of get a real glimpse into amazon what they're thinking oftentimes it's rumor innuendo and uh, you know, you really don't get great insights. Uh, but the letter to shareholders from Bezos is a very interesting document to read for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, it talks about the, the 3P overtaking uh, first-party sales, uh, third-party sales in 2018, 58% of all sales. Uh, so in other words, sales that are like from their marketplace. But interestingly, as a closing statement, it talks about a lot of interesting things. I'll put a link to uh, Bezos's letter in the in the show notes. Um you know, he, he challenges, they challenge, he challenges. I challenge top retail competitors, you know who you are, i.e. Walmart, to match your employee benefits uh, and our $15 minimum wage. Do it. Better yet, go 16 and throw the gauntlet back at us. So, um, you know, I loved Walmart's response, kind of my reference to the mic drop. Uh, Walmart's response was, well, um, Amazon, how about paying your taxes? Uh, Walmart responds, uh, yeah, love that. Uh, $11 billion of profits. Zero taxes paid by Amazon. So, uh, you know, not lacking for self, um, self-promotion self from Bezos's perspective, kind of wrapping up that challenge as in do good for the country, uh, but yet forgets that they don't pay uh, any tax. So uh, all those roads that those Amazon orders travel on uh, get beat up and paid by uh, other retailers' tax dollars. So anyway, not to get too far into that, but that I thought was a great response uh, from our friends uh, at Walmart. Uh, other things in the news, a couple of great videos, a uh, video of Eric uh, Nordstrom talking about uh, a, a 2018 that he would like or is happy to see the end of. I mentioned that actually when I saw Eric uh, in the live, or I mentioned it in the Shop Talk episode where I saw him live in Vegas. I thought he was a, a fantastic presenter. The other uh, video, Toronto cracks down on 28 illegal pot shops. So the crackdown has begun. Another 
shop, by the way, opened up in Toronto. I guess that makes the 11th in the province. Um, they opened up in, uh, in Yorkville, which is uh, the Tony area. Uh, so lots of can of tourism going on, I'm sure, in there because lots of uh, tourists visiting that area. So good for them opening up uh, a cannabis, retail cannabis store in, uh, in Yorkville. Um, different, of course, from Yorkdale, which is the shopping center. Uh, and uh, so that's a good video, though. Now you see uh, the Toronto and you'll see that in Ontario, they're cracking down on the illegal stores who are not investing and not uh, selling seed-to-sale type products. Uh, what else have we got here? So um, a great, uh, in the entrepreneur section, great feature on Emily DeVoe from uh, Edmonton about her store. Uh, and the product line that she makes, a great entrepreneur. Hopefully we might uh, actually get her on the show and uh, chat about that. Uh, one day in the future, we look at, uh, from Sarnia, record store, um, Cheeky Monkey. Great story there on uh, how they're grown uh, with uh, the pickup and vinyl. We've, we've talked about a couple of record stores who've uh, benefited from that resurgence. Great to see. Um, and a nice feature article, though, it's uh, for subscribers only from uh, the Globe and Mail, um, Brant Louie from H uh, from H uh, Y Louie and Company, and they own many things, including uh, the great uh, London drug out of Vancouver. Uh, what else we got? Uh, state of book selling in Canada. Some nice articles there. Actually, there's a survey, and of course, uh, as you heard from Kaylee, uh, celebrating uh, Canadian Independent Bookstore Day, April 27th. So by all means, stop by our local independent bookstore and uh, just refer back to. Um, to the uh, episode or the interview with Kaylee for all the amazing wonder for details. Okay, what else we got here? Um, yeah, we got a lot of, you know, from a news perspective, it wasn't the busiest week um, in the uh, in the retail scene, but it's certainly interesting, topped off by, uh, by the Amazon note, I guess. Uh, I guess last but not least, uh, article, great article on retailers turning to electronic shelf labels. So uh, we're starting to see a lot of these. I saw those at NRF's big show in January. And you know what I hadn't thought about? Is the streamlining and this from uh, from Grocery Business uh, Winsight Grocery Business? It's a U.S. Uh, magazine. But what I had not thought about is using these um, e-commerce. You know, using these shelf talkers as like a pick to light system for e-commerce picking. So more and more in stores, particularly in the U.S., but it's coming here in Canada. You're finding people running around Instacart or whoever doing store pick for grocery. And, uh, you know, it, it can be an inherently inefficient pick. It's certainly not as efficient as a warehouse because it's laid out, you know, like a retail store. Um, but interesting how uh, different color codes can light up as a pick to light for people picking orders. Hadn't thought about it. I'm really going to put some thought into that and uh, do some more research into that. So uh, very interesting, actually, uh, use of electronic shelf tags. So do check that out. Again, uh, the companion piece uh, from uh, from RCC, which is retail this week. But in any event, think about that for uh, electronic shelf labels. So there you go. All right, well, that's a wrap on this edition of The Voice of Retail. Uh, if you liked this podcast, please uh, review, review it. Uh, you can subscribe to it on iTunes, your favorite podcast platform. Be sure and review it. Uh, you can also go ask your favorite home device, Amazon Echo or Google Home. Just say, uh, play the Voice of Retail podcast, and actually, uh, hopefully, hopefully, I just woke up woke up your Echo device, Alexa. Play the Voice of Retail podcast. Uh, if it's around, maybe it'll just wake up. Uh, I'm Michael LeBlanc, founder and president of M E LeBlanc Company, and you can learn more about me at M E or of course on LinkedIn. Join me again next week for a feature interview with Mark Miller, author of Legacy in the Making, uh, an International Business Awards 
Book of the Year 2019, or sorry, yes, 2019 finalist, top 10 business book, according to Forbes, as well as RCC Quebec President Marc Fortin, and he gives us, or who gives us, a retailer's view of uh, top issues in the Quebec market, and a little chit and chatting uh, with Marc. Until then, have a great week.